0: A lot of people in my circle are talking about Novated Leasing because there's no other way we're going to get in an EV. That upfront cost is still a bit too high and I think Novated Leases
1: are the easiest way to go about it.
0: Purchase price is still the biggest barrier for aspirational EV owners. So is Novated Leasing all that it's cracked up to be? There's too
2: much hassle with a Novated Lease. You have to get your employer involved. It's another thing you have to think about every paycheck. It's honestly too complicated.
1: What is Novated Leasing? Why are EV drivers talking about it? And what are the hidden costs of EV ownership that you might not be aware of? That's what we'll be covering in this episode of What's Under the Bonnet.
0: G'day everybody, Greg Rust and Nadine Armstrong with you. As you heard in our intro, there are those for, those against Novated Leasing. Now, last episode we spoke about club community. It was a lot of fun. Go and check that out if you haven't already. And in doing our research, we stumbled upon a topic that stirred quite a bit of debate among EVs, novated leasing. It's a big topic and we want to peel it back in a bit more detail today.
1: I couldn't believe how many questions we saw pop up about novated leasing because at first glance, novated leasing is just a lease, right? But as we found out, there's a little more to it than that. And it's appealing because something called FBT, Fringe Benefits Tax, and if you're wondering what that is, don't worry. We'll be joined by Liam Day from Maxia later on in the show to break it all down for us to make it really simple and to answer some of your burning questions.
0: But to really understand the pros and cons of Novated Leasing, we kind of need to set the benchmark for EV costs, right? So what is the true cost of EV ownership? What other options are there to finance a car to get into an EV? And could Novated Leasing really reduce the pressure of paying those up front? So first, what we thought we'd do is to chat to our good mate, Ross Booth, who's been on the program before. He's the GM of Car Valuation Service, what we call red book in the game data is ross's jam right it has been for about 20 years his in-depth knowledge in the industry is unsurpassed he's the perfect person to break it all down for us hello ross welcome back to the what's under the bonnet thanks Rusty. it's great to be back on this uh, podcast you spend your life immersed in this this stuff right not just evs but ice vehicles as well hybrids too the data is changing all the time particularly when you look back at the you know the annual figures for 2023 for example what's the main cost differences between
3: these types of vehicles do you reckon there is still a substantial price premium of an ev compared with an ice vehicle probably the best example is a vehicle that sells an ICE equivalent a hybrid and an EV and the 2024 Hyundai Kona is the best example of that. So a Hyundai Kona for an ICE vehicle recommended retail price is 32,000. The hybrid equivalent equivalent specifications is 36,000. The EV equivalent is 54,000. Mm. So there's just an example of the EV price premium. That gap is actually getting smaller. And then we've seen this year with more competition coming in. In actual fact, ICE recommend retail prices on new cars are actually increasing. EVs are doing the opposite. Mm. So we are getting closer. In actual fact, you can buy an EV under $40,000 today on the road. Yes, That is new, that is changing.
1: One of the other things, you know, as there are more products, we're starting slowly to see some secondhand EVs coming through. So what are the average costs that we're seeing for a secondhand EV now and are there risks? You know, people are really concerned about buying a secondhand EV way more than they were with an ICE vehicle.
3: Yeah, you ask me an average question, I'll give you an average (laughs) answer. (laughs) Tend not to deal with averages, especially with used vehicles. A used vehicle purchase is unique. Whether it's an ICE, whether it is an EV, it's determined by the condition, the kilometres, whether it's still in warranty, how the vehicle's been serviced, et cetera. As a general statement, an EV historically has not held its value as much as an ICE vehicle, in the used vehicle market and the reason for that is people want the latest and greatest in an ev they want the new technology they want the latest range they want the shortest charging time so i'm going to buy an ev today that demand is more in the new factor which impacts the used ev so historically and today used evs are less than an equivalent ice vehicle i'll put it like a laptop or a PC. I don't know whether you remember a few years ago, they had these upgrades every 18 months. Mm. So people would wait 18 months and then they wait another 18 months <laughs> and, then they'd wait, and they'd never buy anything. Mm. And the fact is an EV will constantly improve with the technology, but don't wait, buy it now. Total cost of ownership, you just need to be aware of it, make the decision what's right for you to actually buy Ross, the theme kind of of today's episode
0: um, focuses or centres around financing, right, your, your EV. Is it the same
3: as financing an ICE vehicle? So one of the things with an EV that some finance companies offer is a reduced interest rate. The other factors that come into it are fundamentally they're the same things, but slightly different focus, I would say, from financing an EV. And one of those factors we just talked about was the used price. So the used price doesn't hold its value as much as a, a ICE vehicle. So one of the things for a finance perspective is a guaranteed future value, which at least knows that you are covered for what that price is when you actually finance your vehicle. The biggest thing with financing an EV today is the current incentive around FBT in relation to Novata leasing, which comes in at $89,322.00 without going into any of those details. <laughs> Effectively, what that means, if you finance an electric vehicle under an OBA no lease, you get more for your money due to that incentive. It's one of the key incentives in the Australian market today for buying an EV.
1: Subscriptions are the other thing that we keep seeing, particularly in this EV space, because it gives people a chance to sort of taste, you know, try before you buy almost. Some of the energy providers are doing it. So, What do you see, you know, that model, is that working? And is it a better financial decision?
3: So one of the benefits of a subscription is basically a short-term rental. You're just renting the vehicle. You don't have to worry about the depreciation factor. You don't have to worry about insurance. There's one cost that actually allows you to try that vehicle out. And many of those subscription companies allow you to actually swap the vehicle as Mm -hmm. well. So then you can try an SUV compared with a passenger vehicle, and for some people, is a solution into the EV world. Ross, there's another thing to consider
0: here around cost of ownership, and that is, of course, insurance. I mean, you still need a a pink slip or roadworthy, green slip, third-party insurance. Um, But EVs have been criticised for having a higher premium than ICE vehicles. Is that true?
3: Yeah, look, according to the Insurance Council of Australia, the price premium of insurance for an EV is around about 20% more expensive than an ICE vehicle. When you look at an annual insurance cost, of, let's say two thousand dollars for an ICE, that's around four hundred dollars a year, and it tends to be more expensive because the insurance companies look at it from a risk perspective. It's the cost of repair, it's the cost of the parts and supply chain. So at the moment, there is a premium. What about registration?
1: Registration is probably yeah, exactly. We both thought the same thing. It goes hand in hand. You know, is it more expensive for an EV compared to ICE? You know, is that going to change?
3: So from a registration perspective, is each of the individual states in Australia are different? And they all have different incentive
1: levels found for that EVs. really helpful. Queensland, for example, has just doubled their rebate from $3,000 to $6,000. Double, just like that.
3: So it is quite confusing on the different levels of incentives for registration. The fact is an EV in every state has a incentive for an EV for registration. Best way of finding that out is go onto the individual states' websites to find out that incentive, or you can go onto carsales.com, or you can go into Redbook. They're there that that you can actually see what your incentives are from a registration perspective. But they are cheaper slightly in some states.
0: Biggest selling point, naturally, of course, is electricity. I mean, how much on average is an EV driver likely to save over petrol in
3: the course of a year? So the cost of electricity, the first thing that most people will do is they'll charge from home. Most people then will have a home charger, which makes a lot of sense. But there is a cost, an original outlay for that home charger. Then when you look at the cost of electricity, it depends where you charge and how you charge. I charge off-peak. I charge solar. I would get it from the local Westfield. The reality is it's very hard to quantify that cost mm. because it's such an individual exercise on where you are actually charging Doing your it. vehicle. If you charge at a cost, like a Charge Fox, as an example, it's going to be more expensive than at home. But there's different OEMs who actually give incentives for either a home charger or Lexus, as an example, gives three years free to charge at Charge Fox. Mm. So it's really such an individual decision, How to quantify, but the individual Needs to do that research before they actually purchase. Just on Ross's point there, obviously
0: it does differ depending upon your set of circumstances, how much driving you do, and so on. But to give you an idea, um, EV driving can save you up to $1,200 according to uh, the New South Wales government. But that figure can increase to $3,000 according to some studies that we've seen. So Aussies drive about 12,000 k's per year. So that's 34 kilometres a day. That's something to keep in mind as you consider this.
1: Another thing that we hear a little bit about is bidirectional charging. And I know it's not quite here yet, only in SA. But, you know, what impact will that have? And will that make people think differently about sort of home charging, the, the, the way that they can offset their EV and so on?
3: Yeah, it's a great question. So the EV technology is unbelievable globally. And most cars can actually do V to G, which is is vehicle to grid, which means that you can reverse charging, put electricity back into the grid. The advantage of that is electricity companies may pay you for that power. So therefore, your car can actually make you money. That's whether the infrastructure can do it and then what the individual electricity providers will provide. But another advantage of an EV. What about hidden costs of ownership? What kind of things should we be aware of there? Yeah, one of the hidden costs that we remind people of, which people don't really like buying, and that's tyres. So mm-hmm. tyres is interesting because there's different studies that, that, that we've seen that says an EV tyre lasts longer, an EV tyre lasts shorter. The reality is how you drive a vehicle, ISO EV, dictates the tyre wear. Taking that aside, let's say that's even the cost of the tyre may be more expensive depending on which tyre you get. What we do recommend people do is to get the right tyre for their EV because if they don't get the right compound, it may impact the performance, it might impact the range, and we've seen numerous stories of that happening. So slightly more different from a tyre perspective, one to be aware of, again, not a major factor.
1: Something we also see, and it's not only with EVs, but sort of the premium options, the add-ons, the things that you might think you're getting, but it's a, you know, a cost option. And that seems to be something in EVs as well in terms of we hear about over-the-air updates and different technologies. So do you think that's a factor for people and it's something they should really look into?
3: EVs do have those traditional options, but what is starting to come in is more of a subscription. You actually pay for an option for a particular time period one of the key things that you can actually update your vehicle for, you can now do over the air. Mm. So the capability is there. It's just where it will be charged and how it will be charged. So certainly something to look
1: for. And there's always a balance around that because I know some manufacturers are saying, our cars will be a little bit cheaper, but then you can subscribe to these other things. So if you don't want them, that's great. If you do want them, you pay for them. So there's always that balance between, you know, it's, it's giving people choice, I guess. Um,
3: it, it is giving people choice. And, and buying a car in the automotive industry is complex, which means that what you need to do is always do your research. You always need to look out what is right for you, what is right for you today, what is right for you in the future, and do your research and, and comparisons.
1: And again, to give people an idea of what that kind of extra you know, cost option could be, so premium connectivity, for example, video streaming, karaoke, music streaming, that'll cost you about $9.90 a month if you're on a Tesla, for example.
0: That naturally leads us to, to servicing. We know that an EV needs less servicing, less parts and so
3: on, but is it the same cost as a, as a regular service? Yeah, it's a really interesting discussion because theoretically servicing an EV should be less. There's less moving parts, it's different technology. Like an ICE vehicle, uh, different OEMs charge differently for servicing schedule. And we find the same thing with EVs. There are some OEMs who still use a traditional service schedule uh, for an EV like an ICE, and Hyundai is one of those examples. There is other OEMs such as Polestar who provide five years worth of servicing in the original purchase price. Or if you look at a Tesla, there is no service schedule. The car will tell you when it needs (laughs) servicing, which is a bit freaky. But like anything, again, it's research. Every OEM is different. It's one of those costs that people need to be aware of when they're actually buying an EV or when they're buying any car.
1: And I know you are that sort of big picture, long-term ownership view. So taking all of this into account, Is it accurate to say that while the upfront costs are still higher than buying an ICE vehicle, is an EV a better, more cost-effective purchase in the long term?
3: Okay. (laughs) So there's two ways of looking at it. And most people, when they're buying an asset, a car, they look at the original purchase price. And the original purchase price for an EV needs to include the incentives. So you need to do that research to begin with. But the total cost of ownership includes the cost to run, the factors that we've talked about there, servicing, insurance, fuel and energy and registration costs, and then the depreciation factor, which is a bit of an unknown because it's in the future. So an EV used value at this stage is less. So the total cost of ownership for an EV will tend to be more than what a nice or a hybrid vehicle is. One thing that might be holding some of our listeners back is
0: just the the big upfront cost. Now, we've got a guest standing by that's going to talk novated leasing with us. Before we let you go, let's just sort of wrap this on psychology of spending here, right? People don't like parting with a lot of money upfront. The idea perhaps of paying um, small amounts progressively, is this the great white hope? Is this the better way of
3: of entry in, in some respects for people? It depends on people's individual circumstances. And we mentioned subscription is one way that people can get into an EV that's slightly different. Financing is another way. And it is interesting that from a financing perspective, one of the major incentives on buying an EV today comes from financing. So it is something to look at. We have seen a increase in finance, innovative finance, being driven by the incentives by the government. So it's certainly something to consider from a finance perspective depending on your individual circumstances.
0: It is always fantastic to get you on. It is like getting Obi-Wan Kenobi on, isn't it? Because he's <laughs> he's, he's so wise, Nadine,
3: isn't
1: he? <laughs> I can see Ross's brain working across the desk. Uh, I can physically see it.
3: <laughs> I think I feel more like Yoda rather than <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi. Anyway, well, this won't be your
0: last visit to the podcast. and As always, we really appreciate you coming on to, uh, to debunk
3: and to, to chat with us about it. Thank you so much. No problem. It's always great to be here because the market just changes so quickly. It's just so exciting and a great time to, to to be in the automotive industry.
2: Listener Mailbox.
3: Time for a bit of listener mail. You can hit us
0: up. Podcast at carsales.com.au is the place that you go or search for us on socials. Here is one from Rachel in Werribee who asks, how do I make sure that I'm getting the best deal on and EV are there hidden costs what kind of things should i be asking for
1: yeah, it's a great question. I love that she's used that word, hidden cost" because we keep saying that it keeps coming up. You know, it's a great question. We've already discussed some of this hidden costs. You know, it's a headline that's out there in the EV space, and it can be a bit off-putting because while there are so many common considerations in buying an ICE and an EV, EVs also bring many new considerations. So aside from the actual price of your vehicle, there are a few ways you can, you know, crunch the numbers in your favour. One that a lot of people don't know about is charging cables. Mm. Is the dealer or manufacturer offering a charging cable as part of the cost? You know, is it a fast charger or is it, you know, the three-point trickle charger? So that's another little sort of charge that you might be able to wangle into your deal.
0: And outside of the manufacturer deals, maybe your energy provider is offering um, a, a wall box, discounted rates, V owners, and so on. Some manufacturers have charging partners. That's worth thinking about. I mean, BMW, for example, I think, have been offering five years' worth of, of free charging with ChargeFox. That's free, I just said, but just check your um deal going with the manufacturer at the time. I think probably the key thing here, Nads, is, is research, right? Research around all sorts of things, finance options. Some providers will offer reduced rates on the purchase of an EV and there's all sorts of different things um, in the marketplace that you can find out about there. Just in relation to hidden costs, you could argue that really there shouldn't be any because you can do your homework, do your research, understand the service schedule and so on, plan for your length of ownership, your continued ownership, not just the money to get the car off the showroom floor and into the garage. And to Nad's point, once you finish listening to this episode, maybe rewind, have a little listen to Ross Booth once again.
1: Yeah, and the research part is good and so much information is readily available. So we can give you a couple of examples of the service cost because that's another thing that comes up. So for example, a Hyundai EV requires... $160 $160 at your 12 month, your 24 month and your 36 month service. So then at two years, it's going to cost you 760 and then the 60 month mark. So, you know, towards the end of your ownership, really $160. So they will give you a service schedule so you understand what you're up for. Kia, for example, their EVs will set you back about $594 over a three year duration and that becomes around $1,700 after five years. So it's really good to understand the incremental costs that are associated with your EV and the servicing.
0: There you go, Rachel. Hopefully that answers your question and sheds a, a little bit of light on things. I think just stopping, having a little look at the deal in total, and then making a call from there is the best approach.
1: Our next guest is going to help us answer the question that we left Ross with. Could Novated Leasing be the answer to the problem of high purchase prices for EVs? His name is Liam Day and he's the EV product manager at Maxia. Maxia is Australia's largest employee benefits provider and also the largest providers of Novated Leases. So welcome to the show. Thanks,
0: Nadine. Lovely to be here. Can we kind of start at the very beginning then for some people who may be um, unfamiliar with it, Liam, what basically is Novated Leasing?
2: So there's probably two or three key things you need to know, right? One of the unique factors about Novated Leasing is you get to finance a vehicle by using your pre-tax and post-tax dollars. The second most important thing is it's a tripart agreement. So it's an agreement between your employer, the employee yourself, and the financier. So if your employer does offer that benefit, you can access the potential tax savings the lease you can deliver.
1: So how does that differ from a normal standard lease then?
2: The primary difference is that tax savings piece, right, is the ability to use your pre-tax money to pay for a portion of the running costs. But for an EV, as an example, it's under the luxury car tax threshold. You can, in fact, finance and pay all running costs pre-tax, which really does amplify those tax mm. savings for you.
0: Some things that our regular EV listeners on the show are drawn to or talk about, French benefits tax, right? So, FBT, how does that come into play as far as novated leasing is concerned?
2: Traditionally, when you work for someone, they pay you in salary and wages. From time to time, they'll offer you additional benefits like gym membership, for example, right? So, that's an additional benefit you receive as a result of your employment um, and that attracts fringe benefit tax, Now, like Novated Leasing, it's an additional benefit you receive that's not in the form of cash or salary, so therefore, it will attract fringe benefit tax.
0: Liam, we know that Novated Leasing is um, not necessarily unique to the the EV space. Why is it getting so much attention? And I I would imagine you've got a bit of data around this stuff.
2: Yeah, looks obviously, since the inaction of the EV FBT discount, we have seen demand grow significantly for EVs and plug-in hybrids that are eligible. And that is they need you know to make it eligible there needs to be an EV or a plug-in under the luxury car tax tax threshold, which for EVs and plugins is eighty nine thousand three hundred and thirty-two to be precise. <laughs> and you, you only need to look to VFACT data, you know released early you know earlier this year or earlier this month I should say, and to see the growth from twenty two to twenty three. I think like you know, battery electric vehicles have grown something like a hundred and sixty percent. Yeah, it's crazy. Right? and with so many. Makes and models coming to market this year, EV infrastructure growing. States introducing subsidies, some removing them, but investing that that infrastructure investment. I I just, I think you know we're we're nowhere near the upper limits yet, and um, it's going to be a big year.
1: And you did touch on it a second ago, but what other things can be included in a novated lease?
2: Yeah, so everything you think about running a vehicle, right? So registration, insurance, electricity, if it's an EV fuel, servicing, maintenance, even car washing can be included. The example I like to use is, you know, every year when the registration bill comes around, it's like, oh, that's a big bill. You don't have to worry about that under-innovate at mm. least because we've budgeted for that in your salary deductions.
1: And it always seems like a surprise, doesn't it, that bill when it comes around every year. <laughs> <laughs> Same time, every year, but oh, there it is again.
0: <laughs> so are you locked in forever or, you know, until the car is is fully paid off. How flexible are novated leases? Yeah, there is a degree of flexibility
2: with novated leases. So you can take uh, a novated lease from one to five years. Um, One of the conditions of a novated lease is it must have a residual value. Um, So that's a, some call it a balloon payment. Um, And that's a, a figure that's set by the ATO. Now, at any time, you can actually exit your novated lease. I had a novated lease. I left my employer when we moved from Perth to Brisbane. So I simply spoke to my novated lease provider, removed the novated portion, and continued my payments with the financier. And when I joined Maxia, I simply renovated the car.
0: If we flip the script for a moment and think about companies, employers that are listening, and so on, what is the benefit for them? Why take part in novated leasing from their side of the equation?
2: I think there's never been more focus on an organisation's employee value proposition, right? And employers are actively looking for ways to attract and retain talent. So whenever they can provide benefits outside of salaries, uh, direct salary and wages, um, novated leasing is a really, really great way to do that. And furthermore, what we're seeing an increase of, particularly since the FBT discount was enacted, was organisations are seeing the cars their employees drive as an extension of their contribution to a cleaner and more sustainable environment.
1: And is it easy for companies to sign up to say that we want to get on you know, the, the bandwagon, essentially?
2: Yeah, we've got lots of ways for companies of all sizes. If there are any listening, you know, jump on the Maxia website. There's lots of resources to learn more. Uh, fill out a form and one of our team will be in touch.
1: All right. So we've scoured the internet to get those really common questions. So can you help us answer a couple of sort of rapid fires? So, and we have, up. can you include your electricity costs in an innovative lease?
2: Um, claiming electricity charges is where there is currently um, some challenges, um, but the ATO is looking at ways to simplify that because at the moment um, you you do need to jump through a lot of hoops to try and get that money back, um, but the ATO actively looking at
1: it. How do you tell the difference between your energy use at home, so general energy usage compared to what you're using for your car?
2: The way you claim your electricity costs is you need to demonstrate exactly how many kilowatt hours have gone into your car and at what rate. And the way you need to do that is to have some form of meter, right? You need to go, okay, I put X amount of kilowatt hours in X time. Now, that can be done by installing a separate meter itself to do that. But increasingly, we're seeing um, charging products with smartphone applications that can also achieve that same outcome.
0: What about keeping track of of your Ks? And what happens if you go under or over the, the estimated kilometers? If you are driving further or there's
2: more maintenance, just, you know, A, we manage it proactively. But B, feel free to reach out and talk to us. And what we'll do is we'll work with you to understand what extra contributions you need to make to make up that extra mileage or maintenance, whatever the case.
1: You spoke about that three-way partnership. What if my employer is only using one Novated Leasing Group? Am I able to shop around essentially, or do I have to use who they want me to use?
2: In our experience, no. You need to go with the one that your employer has selected
0: to do. And what about if you're like Nadine and you've got expensive tastes, but your company (laughs) uh, puts a limit uh, of, say, 68K, but you want something better, more expensive. Can you part lease, part cash?
2: Employers, when they sign up to provide this benefit, they can set which finance company they want to use with us because we have a panel, um, the value and whatever. We strongly suggest that flexibility is key here, right, which is to encourage greater choice. But the reality is that under-innovated leases, and this is the way the ATO have written the legislation, is that 100% 100% of the vehicle's value must be financed in the lease. So you can't pay a portion of cash. So you, even that includes like a deposit as
1: well. Yeah, this is really interesting. So, And as you say, it, it is complex and they're trying to make it more simple. Are there any, any things maybe you want to make sure, you know whether it's a company or an individual, just something that you would like them to know about this process?
2: Yeah, we make it simple yeah. and we do all the legwork, right? So whilst you, know, you, you might hear today and go, wow, that sounds complicated, it's actually not. We do all the hard yards. We do all the complicated stuff. We work with the ATO. We make matters simple. Just reach out, have a look at the tools that are available, speak to our team. I can assure you once you've had that conversation, you'll feel much better.
1: We should get a shameless plug for the website in there.
0: Uh, maxia.com.au I don't know if you feel like you've been on an episode of Q&A or Sale of the Century. You have handled 10 rapid fire questions very well. Uh, Liam, to you and the team at Maxia, have a great 2024. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and having a chat with us today. And I've no doubt in the future, because this market keeps ramping up, we'll get you back on for another, another convo at some point.
2: Yeah, thanks, team. It's been an exciting period of time since the, particularly since the EVFBT discount came in, and I think twenty twenty four is going to be a big year. Uh, more cars coming to market. It's going to bring more people into Novated leasing. It's exciting times. Go well. Thank you both.
0: We are nearly about to uh, put our car back in the garage, back on charge. Another episode is. Om- what are you doing? You're on the calculator. <laughs> <laughs> What are you doing?
1: Well, we talked about the Maxia calculator, right? So, while we've been chatting, we've looked up on that calculator to get an idea of what a novated lease could look like, and this is you know just a ballpark for an MG4, for example, with a lease life of five years, travelling twelve thousand kilometres a year on a ninety thousand dollars salary. This is going to cost you about three hundred and eighty nine dollars per fortnight. And that has an estimated life of leaf saving of just over $32,000. Yes, you heard it right, (laughs) $32,000. So go and check out the calculator and and see what's on offer because I think it's a really clever way to understand the savings that you could get based on your numbers.
0: I think I can hear the boss, Mike Sinclair, on the line already, (laughs) Mike. Nadine wants to sit down, talk about her package with you, her <laughs> what she might be able to do with Novated Leasing. So a lot to take in in that episode, but it could be, for some of you, a good solution. What do you think? We'd love to know. Podcast at carsales.com.au. Send us a bit of feedback. If you've got a question too that might become a topic for a future episode, send us that as well. We, uh, we'll do a little bit of research, crunch some numbers and have a look into it. I don't profess to know all the answers. This has been a great journey of discovery for me. So today we've learned a little something else. We're nearly out of uh, time. Be sure to tune in for the What Report in a couple of weeks' time with our good buddy, and Tor. He's been having a lot of fun with that, hasn't he?
1: He has a lot of fun with everything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Squeezing a surfboard into an EV. We're out of time. We'll catch you with the next episode. Bye for now, everybody. listener